Welcome to the Ready Day Smut Brigade, the podcast where we dissect spicy books and take out all the juicy parts and talk about the plot too. We want to remind you that this podcast, you guys, if you didn't know, is for mature audiences only. Remember, please protect our youth, use headphones, and don't let them listen to us. But do go rate and review our podcast on your streaming platform. So this week, our book is about <laughs> aliens. Fuck you, Allie. I had to say protect our youth. <laughs> On the book. Save the children, actually. I feel like I, I feel violated <laughs> having to say that. I feel like. You shouldn't let me type up any more show notes. Some conspiracy theorists. I think getting, getting back at you for last week. Yeah. Or pestilence. Yeah. It's getting back at me. All right. So this week, our book is about aliens. What are your first thoughts about alien dick? Besides Ice Planet Barbarians, have you read any alien dick books? Who's going first, me or Allie? Because it's not Hannah. <laughs> no, I've read quite a few. I'm staring at Allie right I've now. I've read quite a few, and they Ta- get real imaginative. Tell us, Allie. That's yeah, a word. That's a word. Oh, I like it. The, I've seen different color ones that have multiple penises, ones that have barbs, one that have knots, ones that have tentacles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. shapeshifter alien penises. Mm-hmm. I love so far of all the alien romances I've read. I love a good alien penis. Yeah, the only one I know is I don't Ice think Planet they can really go wrong. You, you really can't because you can make it whatever you want to. And the book I'm reading right now, that thing goes in, and then as it's ejaculating, it vibrates. Mm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Seen some vibrating. Ones. Something like comes out and then like tickles as it's ejaculating, and it vibrates. I was. Gonna, I've even seen like little like static shocks. Oh, listen, you can make it what you want it to be. Perfection. And but this, do they have it? Do they have a little notch? This one. I'm really excited about the notch. From See, the notch, the notch doesn't do anything for me because I, I love think it. If I'm really going hard on top, that thing's just. OK, if you're on top, that is going into hurt. my pelvic bone. Yeah, that is going to hurt. Yeah. I'm, but if you're coming from behind. Yeah. I could get it's down nice. with it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> Ashley is afraid, as always. <laughs> but I'm not scared of the humanoid spider <laughs> romance. I feel I like mean, there's something wrong there. No, something ma'am. doesn't calculate Mm-mm. right. Mm-mm. <laughs> the Listen, math's not mathing. Give me this humanoid spider all day. Shout out to Tiffany Roberts, which is a pen name. It's Tiffany and her husband Robert who write together. Oh, I didn't Did know, you that know about that. it. No, I learned that today. They write these books together. I've read Look Tiffany Roberts. Providing information. <laughs> yes, you can say she or they yeah. when you are talking about the author of Ensnared, and it's. Oh, good. That's so good. And I was, it's perfect for you, Allie, because there's some ESL going oh, on. Oh, okay. A lot of ESL. Oh, he even better. Maybe he he'll give me some teaching tips. It probably would. He doesn't know English. Mm, helpful. Because he's a spider and he doesn't have lips. And he has also, mm. he can make mm-hmm. these ticking sounds and these vibrations in his throat that she can't. So she can't get it. But it's also the mm-hmm. same, like, he can't make the sound because he doesn't have lips yeah. he can't do the p- sound and well and there like, are like a lot of languages around the world that unless you like grow up naturally making like there are a couple african 
languages where they use like their sounds, but you have to click at the same time that you make the letter sound. And when I was in South Africa, like I was there for a whole summer and I you tried every day and still couldn't like you get couldn't it. get yeah, it. I couldn't master Your, it. No. Their muscles wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, I can't trill my R's really. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of, in different languages. There's a lot of really interesting sounds. That's something that I, as in teaching English, I have realized how much we use our tongue and our lips to help form sounds and like how exaggerated we are doing those sounds like our tongue and our lips are really doing lots of different things that we don't really realize and our tongue and our lips move in different ways and our breath comes out in a different way too as a speech and language pathologist I will concur (laughs) and I knew that because constantly being around speech and language pathologists (laughs) and there we go on a sidetrack we are side and we're back so to tried. alien penises. We're alien back penis. to alien penises, you guys. We hope you learned something useful about speech and language pathology. So, really, this one, this alien penis in our book this week is pretty tame. It's a quite normal it's, alien yeah, penis. It's almost. Yeah. It's basically a human penis, just bigger. Which no <laughs> complaints. Mean, it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. We're not going to complain. But anyway, let's move on because we have something special. We've really been on a roll lately. We have. We really we really are thinking a lot of ourselves at this point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have Emily Rath. And now we have Elizabeth Stevens. Yes. All right, guys. So speaking of our book this week, we have the pleasure to have the author of our book, Lord of Population. She's here with us to talk about her books and her journey as an author. Elizabeth Stevens is a world traveler and a full-time author of romance books in the sci-fi and paranormal genres. She is an author who does a truly incredible job of writing diverse and interesting characters that everyone has an opportunity to see themselves in the story. So welcome, Elizabeth. Hi. Hi. So exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited. So excited to have you. I've been watching your TikToks (laughs) and everything. (laughs) I'm like, she's so cool. (laughs) All of you have so many books. I'm just so impressed. (laughs) Meet me in person. I'm horribly awkward. It's great. (laughs) You will fit right in. You would fit right in. Okay, so first off, I just want to ask a little bit about your writing journey. How did you get into writing? And when did you first decide to publish your first book? Yeah, sure. I I mean, I've been writing forever, but I actually really can credit my mom with a lot of my authoring now because when I was very young, like eight, nine, ten, I was really into American Girl dolls. I don't know if y'all remember those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So my mom, like, in order to get the American American Girl doll, I had to read all the books. Mm. And so I did. I read one. I got one doll. But then I was like, it's cool that they're all white dolls. But I would really love a doll that looked like me. And my mom was like, there's no book if you get a lookalike American Girl doll. So you have to write your own story. Oh, and that's I, clever. I 11 years old, sat down and tried to write a little science fiction novel. I don't know why that's the first genre <laughs> I ever wrote, but... <laughs> It's still the one I write today. Do you still have that story? I still have it. But the hilarious thing is I was typing away on one of those clonky, like big giant old gray computers. And of course, it shorted out on me a couple of times and I lost pages and then would just cry, cry, cry. So my mom rewrote some of them. So it's just got like random pages here and there written by my mom in it. (laughs) She's such a great support system. She's like, I'm just going to edit 
this a little bit. (laughs) Oh, you started out with your editor. Look at there. (laughs) But yeah, so I've been writing since then, but I never actually finished a story until I got to college and just finished one. And I didn't know about self-publishing then. So I went and I tried the traditional route, hit a lot of walls, like won some competitions, but never made it past the request for the full manuscript phase. Um, And then uh, some years later, ended up writing another book that actually was at the time just called Population. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, again, my mom ended up connecting with a woman who was an indie press supporting authors and characters of color. And I ended up publishing with her and hated the experience so much (laughs) that when I got the rights back for that book, I was like indie all the way. By then, Kindle Unlimited was a thing. Indie publishing was just on the horizon. That was back in 2015. I started self-publishing then, just like one book a year until 2020. And then I ended up quitting my job and just going at it full time. So that was where the full time Mm -hmm. journey started. It's pretty recent, but I feel like I've been around publishing for a little bit now. Almost 10 years. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. That's hard to think about. (laughs) Is all your writing gravitated towards sci-fi and paranormal? What what made you go that route when you were even a little girl? It's such a good question. And I really don't think I have an answer for it. (laughs) But I can say that I actually find writing contemporary so difficult because you have to get stuff right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. out in Seattle and there's no space needle or like just there's some (laughs) desert somewhere like things have to be correct so I was like this is too hard and I want to have a story to tell so at some point I abandoned the idea of having real places and just invented my own and then that just created this whole epic world building thing that ended up being the Varaxia series that was Uh a ton and population is still still my baby it's (laughs) my first book Kane is my ultimate book boyfriend on whom all of the others are based but it was still funny like when I'm navigating this post-apocalyptic world I'm like literally on Google Maps like getting myself around town it's just this is too hard (laughs) so laziness maybe is the answer There's nothing wrong with that. So you said a little bit about when you switched to a full-time author, 2020, but can you tell us a little bit about that transition? Was it scary? What was that like? Man, I really wish I had a better answer to inspire more authors. I was living in Germany at the time, and in Germany, you get unemployment even if you quit your job. So quitting my job, I still got 60% of my salary for six months, which gave me the runway I needed to be able to actually publish because Taken to Braxy at that point was already published population that series was absolutely flatlined. It was not selling I couldn't move it at all. And so I ended up publishing Taken to Braxy, Taken to Nobu and Taken to Sassor all within that six months time frame. I told myself if I could make $1,000 a month, then there was like a chance that it could be a full time career and then just blew that out of the water or not don't get extravagant here. It was a slow start, but still was able to give me the confidence I needed to be like, hey, this could actually be a real job. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I noticed on your website that you are pretty transparent with your author journey. You, I, I think it's called your 60K case study. And you are very open about in this year, this is what I made. These are the things that worked. These are the things that I cut because they weren't really working for me. Hannah is also an author. And I was like, Hannah, look at this. It's such a good resource. <laughs> I know. I was like, I need to really read through this because as an indie author, I'm just starting to officially make money and 
yeah. myself. Like I, I'm probably where you were years ago, but I was like, oh my God, I need to look at these marketing tips and like what she did. Cause it's such a broken down resource. It's very easy to understand. That's yeah. I'm so glad you find it helpful. And I actually, thank you for reminding me. I have my study done for last year. Actually, I'm super delayed at getting it out because baby, you have just, a life. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine <Yeah>. that. <laughs> but yeah, last year was actually my first six-figure revenue year, but it was fairly horrifying when I did the numbers, which I will absolutely be totally transparent about putting out just because I my net was 50K, so I had to spend 50 to make 50, mm. which is, it just feels like a dagger to the heart. But yeah. <laughs> it hurts my bones. But yeah, like indie authoring is very freaking hard. It's not easy at all. And that 50K, 50K doesn't sound bad when, you know, that's 4,000 and some change transferred across 12 months, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not. Like I had one month where it was my revenue was 16K and then the next month my revenue was negative 900. So this stuff is, it's really tricky, but yeah, translations are 3,000 a book. Mm-hmm. That was cheap. Audio is 4,000 a book and that was cheap. I know a lot of folks who pay a lot more. So it's, it's a lot. My goal for this year is to not have the one-to-one. I'm hoping to make a little bit more than I. Oh, and I just also have to say just on the six figure case study model that actually comes directly from an author called Lee Savino. I don't know if you guys read her. She writes like shifter romances and in the paranormal. She also does a lot of like really great marketing stuff. And for indie authors joining the millionaire author mastermind group, she's one of the host of that has been like a game changer for me get so many great and valuable resources out of that so you have a pretty large following on tiktok do you feel pressure to make sure you are generating a lot of social media content do you feel like it's helpful as a writer to have that presence so funny you're asking this because i literally just had a big group in the millionaire author mastermind group on Facebook and then in a couple of side groups that I'm also a part of. TikTok seems to have died off as a platform that we're finding useful and really powerful. Last year, it saved me. I think I made like 20 grand off of TikTok alone through a post of my own that went viral and then also through a post post by Black Books Only. She's fantastic. I think Um, that's how I found you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she did like a post and then just spiraled out of control honestly I owe her I owe her a bajillion loves whatever but I think the kind of general rule that I found for authors picking two platforms that you actually enjoy using and then trying to bolster those though that at the end of the day your newsletter is going to be your bread and butter and obviously books also as like a black author I like to showcase that like black people are engaged in this as an industry and actually it's crappy but a lot of black authors black authors of romance especially tend to not show their faces because folks are like, oh, she's a black author, so she only writes black romance, so it's not for me. And that's really crappy. It even goes to translates to book covers as well. So having a black man on the cover of a book is going to have a wildly different outcome than a white man. And there's actually authors of black romance who put white people on their covers because they know that they can't put black people on and have the book sell. But I like the idea that I'm contributing to that kind of change. So that like trying not to put people off of black romance, even if that's some of what I write. Do you feel like TikTok has broaden that scope of accessibility for authors of color and made it like more accept. So I know for me, I've learned a ton through social media. 
do you see that reflected in like your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think so. And one of the black book talk community is like absolutely a space I love being a part of in addition to the wider book talk community, but it's really fun. Like seeing other black authors come up and like seeing the community expand and grow and grow beyond just the community. Mm -hmm. Like lots of people like my books now. It's not just books for black people. TikTok has been doing a good job calling out some problematic authors that Uh maybe I wouldn't have known were problematic or even in a read through of the book like there's a popular author who I really like who has written derogatory things about like certain groups of Asian people that I probably in my read wouldn't have noticed at all but it's nice for me to be more aware of that and aware you know different colors of people reading books through their own lenses and knowing what's okay and what's not. I feel the same it's taught me a ton and I've had a lot of conversations with my sister she's a person of color and I felt so ignorant when a few years ago we were having a conversation and she's in in one of your TikTok videos you talked about like the six things for white authors who want to write about characters of color and you're like white is not the baseline yes yes and when I learned that years ago I was like I just feel like the most ignorant person is like shameful for me because I was like why that's true like I do think of whiteness as the baseline and so I feel like with TikTok, I'm able to really easily search books by authors of color or books by queer people. And there's a wealth of information on TikTok of people talking Mm -hmm. about the discourse and recommending books. Whereas I haven't found another app that it's so easily accessible to get my hands on that knowledge. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that too. And and one of the other things that I've also seen happen is that some authors are like, I just don't describe their races at all. So everyone can plug and play. And I'm like, yes, but unfortunately, like white is not the baseline, but we still think of it as so if you're going to do that, totally fine. But you're going to have to know that people are going to assume your characters are white. Yeah, that's something I was because I watched your TikTok about that. I was listening to Katie Robert and she said (laughs) this white person, this white person. I was like, oh, my God, she's saying they're white. That's great. Because I had just listened to your TikTok about that. And I thought that's like like such a good thing to point out. But I noticed it. She wasn't just making an assumption that if they're not described, they're they must be white. And a lot of a lot of authors do that. Yeah, now that y'all have you pointed that out and watching her TikTok, I have thought about the different books that I've read. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. All right. I wanna turn a corner real quick. I feel like I know the answer to this just to what you've already said, but what book has have you written that is the most precious to you out of all of the books? Oof, that's a tough, it's a tough competition. <laughs> I would say Lord of Population, which was originally two books, Population and Saltlands was like, I also have so much love for because I didn't know a lot about publishing then. And so I didn't think about writing to market or genre or tropes when I wrote it. I literally just wrote like a cluster fudge smorgasbord of things that happened. And it was so much fun. And it was just like me just having the best time with a book. I feel like now, even if I try to be that free with my writing, I'm like, okay, how 
is this, how am I going to, like, how is this going to sell, basically? The salesman in me is still there, even as I have my creative sprints. So population being my baby, and also just the journey thing booked was so hectic. I finally broke down and put a naked man chest on a book cover, and, like, Reggie had a professional do, do the cover for me. It was just like, dang, oh, what a journey. And then getting the rights back, being able to recombine it and have that published as one book and just have that whole thing just go out the way it was supposed to go out originally the way I'd wanted it to was really cool but there are also other books for me that are super touching taken to Varaxia I have to mention more people knew about that book before they found out about Lord of Population one because Lord of Population got rebranded and republished after taken to Varaxia so in some ways taken to Varaxia does feel like my first book and then taken to Nobu which is the book that I am least likely to reread of my own but the one that's probably the most impactful dealing with being a, a survivor of sexual trauma and like writing a character from that perspective was just wild and then the next book after that was also amazing just because that one I dealt with a nincompoop hero which was my first time writing a non-broody hero and then Taken to Sky which was the very last book in that series and the first time I finished a series felt really cool so all of the books really is the answer, but <laughs> I have a few favorites for sure. I they, think you can definitely tell that you wrote Lord of Population. I think you can definitely tell that you wrote it with your heart because I know, I think this is a question you have a little bit later on, but it doesn't follow a typical prescribed like plot line, I guess you could say. And it's, you truly just went with your heart with it and it works. Yeah. It, it's for me, it's so much fun. I think it. Ashley, you had a really good comment about yeah. that. I, to <laughs> me, when I was reading this book, I said, oh, because it had so many of those highs and lows and those swerves and where are we going? I was like, this would be a great TV show. <laughs> because there's like it, a high for every episode. Yeah, it would have a cliffhanger. It would have so many good innings or even like a manga. It would just be, it just has that feel to it. Like of that excitement and that, oh, what's coming up next? Either you knew something was about to happen because there was buildup happening and you were like, okay, what is, what is about to happen? Or you were in the middle of some kind of crazy action. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> It was just like a constant. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I appreciate that because it was a lot of fun for me to write and it was such a journey to write and definitely my longest book by far, but I'd love to do, I'd love to do more long books like that. Do you feel like you write pieces of yourself into your characters? I think I notice more of it after. I certainly definitely write a lot of myself into characters and of the two characters I've written that are most me, Abel is definitely one of them. At least she, she is what I always call her. She's the aspirational me. She's who I would want to be in a post-apocalyptic universe. Yeah. Um, the warrior, the independent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think I use myself as a baseline. And then after I write myself, I'm like, okay, wait, I have to come up with somebody new. I can't just write myself every book. So then I end up like going in random tangents. Anything you've got up and coming you want to share? Coming up next, what do I have in the writing world? I've got so much stuff going on. I just concluded these Very Nate series, which felt awesome. So if folks are are into like high sci-fi plus super steamy romance then feel free to check it out the series is now complete 10 books all done august 1st i have releasing a new series for folks who will absolutely love it if they love population because it's set in this grimy apocalyptic world with like cities again that are like a bit of oases but like more built out and totally different like fantasy story it's got like witches that are omegas and then it's got alphas who are berserkers mm, i love an omegaverse <laughs> yeah 
my first foray into the Omegaverse, and it is so good. It's just like, it's got a chokehold on me, which is a little problematic because I have also promised to get the fourth book in the Population series out this year, which will be Constanzia and Tannen's book, which is going to be so much fun. Constanzia is just nuts. And then, yeah, and then hopefully conclude the Population series with Mikey's book either late this year or early 2024. Well, go ahead and plan to come back in August when the Megaverse (laughs) book pops out, because we will definitely be reading that and have you back on. Absolutely. I would love to send you guys ARCs of it as well. (gasps) Stop it. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie just Peter Pan. She's like my dream author. nodding over here. (laughs) She's like, I just came. Play it cool. Play it cool. We're not fangirling at all. (laughs) I'm going to send out a few hardcover ARCs, so I'd love to send you guys some, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for being on the pod, and we can't wait to promote your book. I am super, super happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. We hope you have a good night, and thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, Elizabeth. Bye, Elizabeth. We are so thankful that we had Elizabeth speaking with us tonight. We will jump into the book discussion after this break. All right, guys, this week, our book, Lord of Population, is about the years following the arrival of the others on Earth, an alien race that is stronger, faster, and bigger than humans. Unfortunately, for those humans trying to survive the end of civilization as we know it, the others aren't the only things you have to be on the lookout for. Danger lurks at every turn for our main character, Abel. She has lost almost every person she cares about. The only one left is a little girl named Ashlyn, who is kidnapped, and Abel will do anything to find her, including make a deal with an alien named Cain. Ironically, Cain and Abel set off with a plan to rescue Ashlyn, and along the way, they fall in love and suck each other's blood. Did I mention the aliens require blood to sustain them? Yeah, Cain, the blood-sucking alien, claims her body, her blood, and eventually her trust. Mm, In the most delicious way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was pretty sexy, honestly. It is. is I I fell in love with Cain. Yeah. I feel like he... You, in the beginning, when you were reading it, you were like, oh, do we have a morally great hero and I was like ah, he's not very morally no, gray he's not yeah he's not I loved one of his first lines with her where she's like when he's flirting with her kind of in the beginning and she's like are you flirting with me and he's like yeah duh have you not been flirted with before <laughs> he's, like, more, I don't, he's more human than she is yeah, he's like, like, she's been living in population which is basically just basic survival <laughs> every day yeah <laughs> so what were your overall thoughts of the book I really really loved it I thought there was a ton of action and there was never a dull moment. It just Mm -hmm. kept going from one thing to the next. And as we talked about with Elizabeth, it would be a phenomenal TV show. Yeah. You really don't know where it's going. No. There's so many turns into left field. It didn't feel like really formulaic and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, 
I could read it again and be surprised because yeah, this <laughs> so was my second happened. time reading it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Or, Oh my gosh, that does happen. Yeah. It's a roller coaster yeah. of a book and in the best way. Yeah. So did you love Kane? Oh my gosh. Yes. He's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Top tier boyfriend, book boyfriend. For sure. Yeah. Cause he was like, Oh, he was like really protective, but not like douchebaggy. He wasn't like an alcohol over alpha overprotective like you can't do anything you have to sit in a room by yourself protective but like okay I'm gonna support you yeah yeah the only thing that he did that I thought was odd is he basically mated them without telling her yeah that was a little (laughs) he was like drink this and sat it down on the table made her drink his blood and didn't tell her what would happen if she did and then Mikey's like oh my brother's wife and you're like hold up wait wait Wait, a second (laughs) it took her forever to even understand I'm his wife what what yeah yeah amazing could he smell it Sistana what the fuck is Sistana (laughs) what does that mean you're the queen now bitch (laughs) this is mine when she found out he was the king he was like what did he say it was so funny. He goes, no, I'm not like a king. I am a king. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's baby. That is, that is like daddy material right there. That's like, mm. that's yes, fun. sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I like the confidence. All right. Okay. So we talked about Kane. Now, when we talk about Kane, we have to also talk about Mikey. Mikey. Oh. What are your thoughts oh, are on your Mikey? Thoughts? Oh, listen, listen, listen. Yeah. I want to love him. Yeah. Oh, God. But you just hate him a little bit? But I. Yeah. But he did the thing. He, he did the thing. Did so we should thing. mention the thing. that It did make me giggle. Not the thing that he did. But, but what it is. The scene with Mikey is... <laughs> Abel is on her period. But she's never had a period she's never, before. Yeah, because her body's been under so much yes. stress. Yeah, and they've never had enough nutrition. Mm-hmm. There's the whatever it is. The atmosphere's changed over them, so they don't have, like, a lot of direct, direct sunlight. Mm-hmm. And so she's with she's been with Kane for a while and finally starting to eat, but then... Eat, and she has his healing blood. And she her. has his healing yeah. blood. Somehow, through a series of circumstances, her and Mikey, Kane's thought-to-be-dead brother, end up traveling to go save Kane. And she starts her period. Oh, yeah. poor, poor girl. And apparently, that is what the aliens or the others call sweetest blood the sweetest blood and it gets them riled they oh they go for some (laughs) they some brown blood leaking out oh god clots and all man (laughs) Ooh, i bet the clots are like a piece of cake the thing is though (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) he just went there elizabeth we're sorry But the thing is, she's never, no one's ever taught her how to really say no. Has trigger warning, but she has been raped. Uh, but she's, but then she is in a consensual relationship with Kane. But then when Mikey, he's like trying to help her with her period. Yeah. And then he like loses control and basically goes down on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Against her will. Against her will, even though she doesn't say no, but she doesn't know how to say no. Yeah. And she feels guilty. Like she doesn't want him down there. I think she makes some statements like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not sure exactly what they are. Yeah. He should have, he should not have done it. And he should have moved away because she was even the little. Obviously. Like, like obviously hesitant. Yeah. But she does 
orgasm twice because mm-hmm. it feels good. Yeah. And that happens. Mm-hmm. You, it, that's a bodily something that happens to your body. But the thing is, Kane can sense that she's orgasming yeah. because of their bond. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, he like shuts it down. Like he shuts down connection with her because he's so angry about it. Yeah. So I want to love Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. But he did the thing. He did the thing. And then he did the thing with the alcohol. Yeah. And he always, he's just one of those people that makes the wrong decision. Even when they know it's the wrong, they like can't stop themselves from making the wrong decision. Yeah. Poor self-control. Like yeah. I can almost, because he's an alien and because he hasn't eaten in forever and it's almost like food, mm-hmm. I could almost give him a pass with the sweetest blood thing. Yeah. Because he hasn't had any. It's like they, a natural they, response like urge, to the yeah. blood. Bloodlust. It's like a and he's vampire. been starved for three years or something like that. Yeah, and so I could almost I can't you can't I, give him a pass, but you can understand, can understand what happened. But when he abandoned her mm-hmm. after she begs him to not mm-hmm. to go back and get a bag because it had the alcohol in it mm-hmm. when they were at the cannibal's house <laughs> see this book has so many there's so many things going on there are so many chaotic yeah, like i'm like i don't want to give away too much of the book but we're really not even giving away we're that not, you're not even you're hinting on like 20 percent of it there's an alien cannibal and they <laughs> end up in his house <laughs> So she rescues Mikey, and then he's like, I gotta go back for the pet because it had Jack Daniels in it. <laughs> you idiot. Not even top shelf stuff. <laughs> not, not. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that he loves Abel? Yes. Wait, I, you're talking about Kane? No, no Mikey. Mikey. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. No, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think he loves Abel. I think he has issues with his brother, jealous of his brother, and the situation, finds difficulty in the situation they both found themselves in, having to come to Earth without their parents. Yeah, and it seems like he's never really had the true friendship or, like or connection, connection really. like a bond with somebody. And so he might even think that he loves her, but he doesn't really even know what. Like, no. He doesn't he yeah. understand it himself. Yeah, yeah. And also, he and Kane are like hundreds years of hundreds of years apart, or something. Yeah, a mm-hmm. hundred or two hundred years apart in age. Mm-hmm. So it's a that's a, a weird dynamic. That'd be a weird dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So did you like Cain and Abel's love story? I love that it's Cain and Abel. <laughs> I, think I, I love, love that. that. I love the play on the words, the names. I do too. And I also like that Cain is spelled differently. It's K-A-N-E. Mm-hmm. But I like Abel because she was Abel. Yeah. She did all this shit. Yeah. And she was cheap. And do we ever learn her real name? No. And that's another thing that I was going to talk about. I, lo- I haven't seen that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. where we don't know the character's name and you don't really even realize that you don't know her name until she claims you know that she's lying when she says Abel but then she ends up claiming that name as her own and you never learn her real name and Ashlyn never even says her real name yeah Ashlyn ends up just calling her Abel yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I was like that's really cool and really different I haven't seen that before in a book yeah that was interesting I think that's one of the things I like about this book is because there's so many different things that are not so typical yeah, you know? yeah. you're like oh this is really original yeah. there's so many books nowadays where when you read it you're like oh yeah this was in this story and oh yeah this was in this story and mm-hmm. no 
but this was a very original book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And the way it started off, I was immediately like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like mm-hmm. the rules that Abel had oh, for I herself. I the rules and how, she, how it was written out like that. Yeah, and she and Elizabeth puts all the rules at the beginning of the book. So mm-hmm. you have the whole list. But they have these rules that they live by in this post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, and that's how they survive that's is you survive. follow the rules and you don't break the rules. Yeah, don't break the rules. Until you do. Until you meet Cain. Yep. Yeah. And he shows up with the car that works. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's a car. And he's like, yeah, it's a car. He's like, no, you don't understand. It's a car? Yeah. You have a car? What? This girl gets beat up. She can, gets, I, can I she, say that? Are you going to ask a question about that? No. Because this girl gets beat up. She's rough. Up. Multiple times. Even before she takes his blood. Yeah. She gets beat the fuck up. I would not have survived. No. 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 I'm uh, able. She's better than me. She's able. She's, she's able. Able is able. I. This is a powerful woman here. Yeah. She is a survivor. So, do you have a favorite spicy scene? There's so many. There was. There's so. <laughs> there really are. And I love that this was a spicy book that wasn't formulaic. And there were really good spice scenes in here, but also the plot was so strong. Mm-hmm. that it didn't feel like Elizabeth, the author, was trying to make it really, really smutty. It just flowed really naturally for me. And there was nothing boring about this book. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. I My favorite was, the I guess, when they first actually have sex because... Yeah, when they're it, in the kitchen. Yeah, but yeah. they go into what, it, what you, I guess you could call almost a mating frenzy. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he's like in her and they're going at it over and over and over. Like and over an again. orgasm cycle. Yeah. Like they keep setting cycle. each other yeah. off. Yeah, 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 and he doesn't like unlatch from her. <laughs> like they, they leave the place they're at. And they're still doing it, and they're and they're doing it in the car, and like they're doing the way back to the bedroom, like on the stairs, and then they're back in the bedroom. She has a lot of stamina. She does. She's, Damn. Well, by that point, she's got a little bit of alien yeah, blood in her. Yeah. I feel like that probably that helps. Help. Yeah, because yeah, I'm like that. Maybe I need a little bit of that. Alien blood. <laughs> does Walt not have alien blood to give you? It's pretty rude of him, but he does not. Oh, <laughs> how dare he? Add that to the list. And at the end, they basically almost have sex in front of all the people at the meeting. They <laughs> like do. They reunited. I they just thought do. that was really funny. They were like, get He's out. Like, or Get out. We're doing this here and now. What did that remind me of? Oh, there's some. I don't, Ron Swanson and Tammy. <laughs> it was a little bit of that energy. <laughs> Tammy too. Tammy number two. It reminded me of Ron Swanson and Tammy number two. Like, this is happening. This it's is happening. happening. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. He puts on his shirt, his red shirt. (laughs) The next day, he's feeling like Tiger Woods. Kane. (laughs) Kane, where's your red polo? Oh, my God. Get it together. Okay, so in this book, you get a little preview of the next book. And the next book is about Diego. Mm -hmm. I noticed it more because this is my second time around and I've already read the other books that are available in the series. So I was like, oh, there's Diego. Like you get more of a look into him. Did you guys, were you intrigued by him at all? Or did it feel? Yeah, I was because he was with this group of terrible people who are either surviving and he's not necessarily like them. He's, yeah, he saves her. He saves her, yeah. And then she's worried about him. Yeah. So to find out that he survives is yeah. just exciting and, in itself because yeah. the book because that was that was a very terrifying yeah. moment yeah. in the book with and that there Jack. is a, 
uh, book two is darker. Like Diego's Ooh. story is darker. My I would God. personally say. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, more of Jack. No, and he's like no, 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 awful. Yeah, no, God. Yeah, I want him to die. Yeah, he's like true evil. Oh, it reminds me of Negan in The Walking Dead when he. Oh, that is exactly yes. Oh, that's what it reminds me of when sure. he comes back and he. Have like, you ever seen The Walking he Dead? Kills I don't like the Walking. Well, I didn't like it when I tried to watch it. That's Jack's vibe. Yeah, I I would agree. I know who Negan is. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I really this whole the whole series so far, and I'm excited about book number four. So you've read Nike's. the three. You've read mm-hmm. three. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the book or? I just really like the chaotic nature of it. Yeah. There was so much going on that you're never bored. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a long book, it really isn't that long of a read because yeah. you, you're you just so intrigued the whole time. Yeah. I read it when we were on spring break last year and I read it within a day or two because I was just able to read the whole time. Yeah. It's an interesting world too. Like yeah. I like that. What I liked was that the others came, but the others weren't the monsters. Yeah. Like, the people were the, the people monsters. Were there. Yeah. And that was interesting. That was interesting to me. That's a different twist on it. It was a different twist. But then we had the twist of a, a pedophilia ring and i was pedophilia and then cannibalism and cannibalism <laughs> and then but Negan if it's not up. is it still cannibalism if it's about aliens yes I mean, aliens. their they, own kind they condemned him for alienalism it. I, I don't know what the technical <laughs> like term would like. be so where does lord of population fall on your vibration scale ladies i feel comfortable giving it a two i'd say a 2.5 really there's a lot and there's some different stuff. The yeah. sweetest blood thing was a lot. Never seen that before. <laughs> I have seen the vampires liking the period blood before. So we can give it a two. Another. Uh, uh. There we have it. Mm. It's a two. A nice solid two. Can't a go nice wrong. Solid Can't two. go wrong. It's getting there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. This show is produced by me and me and me and Allie and Hannah. Excuse me? And then, honestly, yeah. Like, I don't even know why I add my name. I do very little work, guys. That is a joke. No, it is produced by <laughs> Ashley, Allie, and Hannah. If you have any great smutty book suggestions, especially some alien penises for us, you can email us at the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. Really any penises. Dot com. Yes. You guys, and if you, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, if you find any fan art that we like, send it to us, but we might get some crazy shit. But please send us some fan please art. Please send us some. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind crazy stuff. If you find some N- fan art. Ashley, you have sent us some off-the-wall stuff before. I meant stuff that wasn't actually fan art. Like, oh. Like, I or you think people will yeah. send us, like, actual crazy yeah. stuff? I think we're still small enough that only people who are really liking us are going out of their way to send us <laughs> And if you're interested in more weird conversations or maybe some even crazier smutty stuff or just general conversation with us because we're wonderful. Yes, you can check out our Patreon. It's $3 a month. We would love the support. It would help us keep going. You can also find us on Instagram at the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. And as always, make sure that blood is nice and fresh and then go greet the other aliens and meet them with a good a good sex to you. Good sex to you. <laughs> good sex to you and your sweetest blood. <laughs> Are you do you have sweetest blood right now? No, I haven't had sweetest blood in 6 years. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, Is I got an IUD, baby. 
Oh my god. Anyway, congratulations to Allie, and <laughs> we're out. I don't even remember what a tampon is. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't need one with Kane. <laughs> that would be kind of handy. <laughs> hey, come here, baby. Can you clean me up? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we, we gotta go. <laughs> Down tonight.